With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. What is it that a team like Cincinnati has that Minnesota needs in order for you and your squad to end up in this point one day? You just need to finish the games. Um, I feel like all of the losses that we had, we lost by three points, four points. One point. So, uh, us finishing those those games in that fourth quarter, uh, I feel like the the Bengals are uh, have, well. They did a great job uh, this whole season uh, by finishing those games uh, and really closing out the game against those those tough teams. I just want to point out that Justin Jefferson has stolen Stefan Diggs' Old Spice promotion at the uh, the Super Bowl. Remember, Stefan Diggs was oh, yeah. rocking the Old Spice hoodie. In Minneapolis a few years ago. Yeah, he, so he has stolen Stefan Diggs' place among the top wide receivers, among the Vikings' top receivers, and he has stolen Stefan Diggs' Old Spice money. So what's next? For Stefan Diggs. So what, what's he going to steal from Diggs next? He's going to steal a Super Bowl championship when <laughs> the Bills and the Vikings play each other in the 2000, probably the 2023 Super Bowl. He didn't mention Joe Burrow. I think I would have said, what does your team need? I would have said uh, uh, Joe Burrow. Stephen A. Quite frankly, Joe Burrow. I'm not going to make it about Kirk Cousins like Judd just did because uh, I, I am a never, did I, I am a stand up stand up guy. You okay. mentioned Kirk Cousins, <laughs> so uh, this is Purple Daily Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. They got a coach and a GM now, so it's a good step in the right direction. The show is presented by Surly Brewing Company and also our friends at TCL, which have uh, great TVs for you to watch the big game on, delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution. All at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. So uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm still coming down from the football high of that Alex oh. Boone breakdown yesterday. Football with the screenshots. <laughs> I'm still up here. Quad, like I'm still quad bunches. Yes. Isolated tight ends. Empty backfields. Yes. The bunch formation just naturally excites me so when i see it used like that i really lose it dude that was uh, every by the way every play he showed us was an empty backfield or cooper cup in the backfield give it to yeah which meant that which meant a ton of shotgun (laughs) and the vikings have i mean they run some shotgun but they they ran a lot more shotgun in kirk's first season with di filippo right before he was fired because they were upset that they ran too much shotgun yeah well they the, but now they they're gone. More Mike than Kirk, I would think. Uh, Kirk wasn't as comfortable 
and Mike didn't like it, and yeah, so at least one of them is gone now. Yeah, well, maybe maybe multiple. Um, is this is this text that you just sent worth deviating from what we're about to talk about here? Uh, I don't know if it's worth deviating, but they are hiring someone in their football personnel department. Oh, Ryan Gregson. Yeah, didn't wasn't didn't he get fired from the Colts? Yes, former Colts GM. He has served as okay. the and has served as the player executive for the Browns alongside Quasi uh, uh, in, in Cleveland and the Seahawks since his five year stint in Indy. So he's been yeah, a little bit around. Okay. But yes, he's a former Colts. So Gregson's. GM. The- Gregson's the one that uh, couldn't put an offensive line in front of Andrew Luck, and I think maybe traded a first-round pick for Trent Richardson, if I recall. Isn't yeah, I think you're right. That? I think you're right. I got to digest that. It's not going. Da- it's not going down perfectly right now. I- I'm gonna need a minute there on Ryan uh, Gregson. <laughs> Where are the antacids, Stella? <laughs> uh, but I trust in in Quasi. I trust at this point. So we'll, we'll see what happens. So I, I've been I've been thinking a lot about uh, just everything that Alex laid out about offensive innovation and, and I'll even later on here, I'll get to, I've been doing some digging on just the McVay Shanahan coaching tree offense that we're pretty sure Kevin O'Connell is going to come in and install himself. Right. I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to deviate from what has led him to this job. And I just want to start by saying, I think people oversimplify the Viking struggles the last two years by saying, look how bad the defense was, right? Like Mike Zimmer's defense eroded. And if you look at the rankings, the Vikings defense in terms of points and yards, like a lot of like bottom five, bottom 10 erosion for the Vikings defense. And yes, the Vikings defense absolutely needs work. They got to get Daniel Hunter back healthy or, or figure out how to get just a little bit more spry and young in some certain areas. But when you look at the Vikings offense, and then you start to look at the parts and the sum not adding up to the part. I mean, career statistical numbers the past couple seasons for guys like Jefferson, even Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. uh, Adam Thielen has scored like, even when he's been hurt, he's scored like 24 touchdowns the last couple of years. Dalvin Cook, they have all these great pieces. And yet they finished outside the top 10 in scoring each of the last two years. The Vikings offense was 14th in scoring in 2021. They led the NFL in three and outs last year. The offense hasn't scored 40 or more points in a game in 45 games. And in Mike Zimmer's eight years, you can basically count on one hand how many times they've blown someone out by 25, 30 points or more. It's been eight years of playing unnecessarily close games, close to the vest, scheming, I would argue also close to the vest, quarterback who doesn't, you know, his main priority is don't make a mistake rather than stick a dagger in someone's heart. And I just think Kevin O'Connell, if he clicks, is going to come in here and show people, yeah, the defense needs to be fixed. But sometimes the best defense is maximizing your offense to not play close games all the time in the third and fourth quarter. That I think that's one of the things I am most curious and excited for with this team, is showing people it's not all about holding teams to 16 points. I mean, that's nice, and you definitely want the defense to get better. But think about how easy it is to play defense when your offense has a 20-point lead in the second quarter or the third quarter, and they know the opposing team has to pass, right? Or when your offense doesn't lead the league in three and outs, most of which came in the second, third, and fourth quarters because they were actually a good first-quarter offense. Mm -hmm. And then the damage and the trickle-down effect, that does to to your defense. So I know that the offense is better than the defense, but I feel like the offense is drastically underperforming when you look at the parts 
They also have spent four first or second round picks on offensive linemen that aren't being maximized, right? Brian O'Neill is probably the only one that's being maximized. So I'm ready for Kevin O'Connell to come in here and save the day for this offense. Well, and he changes the entire, or I will assume that he is going to change the entire philosophy of the team, which was starting in 2014, the defense is going to shut teams down. We've got at the time Peterson, who's going to run the ball. We are going to run the ball, eat clock. Everything this team did for a period of time was geared towards what does our defense do well? And if we can keep them off, the field and rested when they do play they're going to be great which by the way they developed into a really really solid solid defense one of the top ones in the league and i think they were a top of the league in 2017 when they went to the conference championship game so i we're not just talking about play calling here we're talking about the philosophy of coaching we're, we're talking about what are your principles are your principles you start with defense you start with the run game, um, or are are they? We can flat out on most Sundays go out there and outscore outscore our opponents. And so, yeah, this is and this comes back to what I keep saying is is the Minnesota Vikings the last two years and 2021 is a perfect example. Offensively, if you look at individual statistics, look pretty damn good. Justin Jefferson had a great year. Cousins mm-hmm. threw for a ton of yards. Like if you go through and vet the stats, you're like, that's a pretty good team. But if you go deeper into the team stats or if you watch the games, you know that the level of execution and that the level of delivery didn't come close to what the expectation should be. And and look. When your scripted plays work as well as this team's did for the most part, and you are as impotent after that as as this team was, it doesn't take a genius to to say you are not even coming close to maximizing your capabilities. Yeah, and people love to say, you know, well, look how many many times did the offense have a lead late in the game and then the defense gave up a score or or what have you, right? The, The defense blew the game, and I would argue, okay, Pull yourself back for a second. Yes, again, I'm not exonerating what was mostly a bad defense, but how many games did the offense leave 7, 10, 14 points on the board through conservative scheming, conservative play calling, conservative quarterback play, yes. where they shouldn't have even been in a close game to begin with? Yes. You know, the first Lions game, the Browns game that they lost, right? Like, they shouldn't have been in some of those close games because they should have had a 10-point lead that they're protecting with a pass rush halfway through the fourth quarter. And I believe that in that Browns game, which was basically, I think, a poster child game for the entire year, I think in that Browns game, scripted plays, they went down and scored and looked great. And it's like, oh, oh, they are going to have a day here. And after that, it was gone. And yeah, they, they are, they are going to now be, because the clip off the top, the one thing that Jefferson isn't saying, and I'm sure he thinks, but like, we just have to close out close games. Actually, no, you don't need to, to Phil's point, be in close games. Like, are, are you going to be in close games against good teams? Absolutely. I get that. But my God. When you are barely getting by on a Greg Joseph long field goal at home, the Detroit bleeping Lions, 
And, and don't give me this crap of, well, every team, I mean, you don't know. You don't know, but the good teams, the good teams that, that, that have an offense that the Vikings should, do not say, and Boone illustrated this on that marvelous episode of PD on Tuesday. You do, there is no excuse for saying, Justin Jefferson, they played cover two. What was I going to do? Like that is, I, I will go back to saying, and football people like fall back on this constantly. Well, we got to, we, we can't go, we can't pass to, to him. Alex Boone just gave us at least four examples yesterday of how you get out of that and yeah. basically tell a team, okay, that's cool. Nice adjustment. Pick your own poison. And, and here's another thing I want to know off that cover two point. And, and by the end of the year, you know, Jefferson was like top five in targets. And like by the end of the year, his numbers definitely were where they, uh, there was probably some more meat on the bone, but like you know, they did correct some of that problem in the November, December games. Mm-hmm. But early in the season, we kept hearing like, well, they're, you know, yeah, like, like you said, they're, well, they're playing cover two. And so we just have to take what the defense gives us. And I, I would love for there to be a deeper dive organizationally into Cousins' mindset, especially if they keep him, of taking what the defense gives you. This is a common thread throughout his football life. I mean, again, Arif Hassan wrote like a 5,000-word piece about this in The Athletic last week, and he went back and found clips from Cousins' books. He's watching film. He went back and found quotes from various press conferences throughout his career, And, and his main quarterback ethos is... Don't make a mistake and take what the defense gives you. And that's why the interception totals tend to be low. It's also why the completion percentage tends to be high because you know, he's he's generally finding open receivers. But when he finds an open receiver on a six-yard pass on second and 20 or third and 12, it helps your passer rating. It helps your completion percentage, but it comes up short of the sticks. And that, and again, I'm I'm not even putting all of it on Kirk. I don't know that Kirk with the Vikings the last four years has had coaching that says and empowers him to go try to make a mistake once in a while. (laughs) Get a little risky once in a while, especially on third down. Some of it is his built-in ethos, but some of it's also Mike Zimmer is playing into the conservative, hey, let's let's not make a mistake. Let's make sure that we're not getting too squirrely with this thing. I don't want to blow it for my defense. So here's my problem with that. You had this year a first-year coordinator who was clearly in fairly early, you, you could tell, over his head. Right or wrong, he was. Bad. Um, Zim basically helped to cause his own demise by promoting Clint Kubiak. Number one, with the in respect to Kirk, I wanted him at some point to say, dude, this ain't working. Like, I got to take some control here. Okay, so it causes a blow-up. What the hell does anybody care? The man makes, what, last year, $35 million? Um, Mike goes crazy. Again, I don't care. He's essentially dead coach walking. Like, oh, don't get mad at me. Like, you're not a kid, Kirk. Um, At some point in time, I wanted Kirk to say to Clint, dude, say it working. I'm going to help you. I know enough. I'm smart. I've run offenses. The second thing from Arif's piece that I think, guys, we have to keep in mind, and it's problematic, and it's the one thing. So so Boone said that he thinks Kirk is the guy, but he also said 
Kirk is going to be empowered more and make decisions more, which means he's got to pull the trigger on the right decision, not the safe one, okay? In a Reeves piece, he, he wrote about the, the win here against the Packers, and it was the touchdown pass to Justin Jefferson, which was, by the way, a great play. It was a great play on both sides. Jefferson special, and I'll go back to saying, because I praise Kirk, Kirk can make that throw, and, and he did. Post-game, Kirk basically said, and, and Arif documented this, that wasn't the right play. I should have been safer with it. I made the play, but that's not the right play. Okay. That can't be your thinking. That cannot be. You won the game with that pass. That is a hell yeah, I made that play. He literally said, in retrospect, I probably shouldn't have made. There There was a safer pass, which was like a four-yard pass to Conklin. Um. These are the things that these are the things that if Kirk is going to stay, have to change. Well, that's a good segue here. Because I went back, there's a there's a bunch of great pieces just around the internet the last five years about the McVeigh Mike Mike Shanahan was sort of the the godfather of the the offensive, you know, the there's different types of zone run blocking schemes that then spawn different passing schemes and this tree of offensive philosophy and coaches has trickled down to Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVeigh. Matt LaFleur now, Zach Taylor coaching in the Super Bowl, Kevin O'Connell, et cetera. And uh, if you're wondering, is this going to continue to be, and no one's wondering this because, like, we, I think we know they're, they're hiring from the Rams and Sean McVay coaching tree. I think we know what the, the offense is going to be more aggressive. But Sean McVay confirmed it with this quote. You're always trying to put pressure on people with your tempo, your formations, and your motions to really apply pressure to the defense, you want to try to use personnel grouping strategically as well. So everything he talks about is about applying max pressure to the defense. Confuse them, go big play hunting over the top, spread the field wide and far. There's no talk about just taking what the defense gives you. Let's let the defense dictate what we're going to do, which is Kirk's ethos and Mike Zimmer's ethos. Hey, if they're going to do this, let's just let's not go crazy here. Let's not throw into a you know a, a cover two situation. Not and I, and again, I don't think McVeigh and the coaches that come from that tree are encouraging being reckless. But I don't think they're mad if you throw an interception trying to make something happen. Big play hunting down the field, right? Yes. Here's another one. Along with the uh, let's see here, uh, McVeigh mentions another key in keeping defenses on their toes. So again, it's about taking it to the defense, attacking the defense, making the defense uncomfortable. The illusion of complexity. Yep. I love that. We need that on a t-shirt. That's what Booney showed us. The That's illusion great. of complexity, right? And, and, he, and he was showing us yesterday, like these yep. clips of football. Okay, so Cooper Cup's in the backfield, and we've got trips out to the left and a tight end to the right. Okay, defense, what are you going to do? Who's covering Cooper Cup out of the backfield? A linebacker? Well, that's not going to work. Okay, hot shot. Okay, let's spread. You got to you got to put three guys over here to cover trips. Yep. You know, uh, he showed us two clips of of quad bunches, both with with uh, the Washington offense and then with the Rams, right? And the Vikings. I mean, it's not like the Vikings are out there always running nineteen ninety five formations. They did put Justin Jefferson back there once or twice, but like in terms of layers and chess versus checkers it's not even close Mm -hmm. so the illusion of complexity the term was coined during a a time where mcveigh worked alongside matt lafleur and kyle shanahan in washington 
Lafleur verbally illustrated the concept in January 2019 when he was introduced as the Packers head coach. Quote from Lafleur: We want to have like plays, meaning plays that start out looking the same that are different. We also want to create what we call an illusion of complexity, meaning we're going to run the same concepts, but how many different ways can we run them? Whether it's out of 11 personnel, 12 personnel, 13 personnel. Wow, you run 11 personnel in this puppy. We like 11 personnel. <laughs> Just to make it a little more difficult for the defense. 11 personnel, by the way, is, uh, is what the Rams run like 80 to 90% of the time. That's three wide receivers, one tight end, one running back. Right. Right. And that's what they run almost all the time. Hello, Irv Smith. So how many different plays and both run and pass plays can they run with 11 personnel? Make it look, it's kind of, it reminds me of like some of the best pitchers, like the Max Scherzers and some of these guys where they've got three or four different pitches, Johan Santana, and they've got the same arm slot and the same arm speed. And then sometimes you'll see this, like when people do the video breakdowns, so like here is here's the same windup, the same arm slot, and the same arm speed, and then they'll show like the four different pitches and how they look coming out of their hand to the batter, and it's like you know it's like out in front by a foot. Right. That's the Rams' offense. Okay, you've seen this arm slot, you've seen this formation, you've seen this windup. It's all the same, but there's like six different things that could happen out of this, and you're not going to know really, really, really what's going to come at you. And let's. Uh... Dig down some more here and talk about the ability then to run motion, pre-snap motions Football. to draw the defense uh, to 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 make them tell you, are they playing zone? Yes, are they yes. playing man? And now you've got them. Now, now but here, oh, so this goes back to the most important thing that I think that Boone pointed out um, in the four examples that he provided, which was marvelous. The most important thing is this, and and we discussed this for a portion of the show, is what are the alternatives here? So so my point is this. Uh, Bunch formation, bunch formation left, uh, quarterback in shotgun, um, different different looks. What What is the quarterback's ability and latitude to make the decision at the snap that this is this is what I'm being given the most. So so I don't think it's this all right, hut hut, this is my play. Right? Like like this is the only play. Like it's not going to cup. It can't go to cup because here's the thing and and the tight end is going to run a slant. Yeah, that's part of the play. But where this gets into the instrumental point of the quarterback having to have complete confidence and at sometimes and Stafford did this at sometimes make dangerous decisions that might not work. I think that's on the quarterback. And yes. and like and, and but now we are into a different stratosphere than than the latitude that Kirk had here. And I don't don't want to turn this into about Kirk, but that he seemed to enjoy at times because you can fall back on well that was the call. Yeah. With, like he he wants to he, he loves to be told he just he works no he just works here. He wants but to But I told. want I want if he he's here. I want the post game press conferences to be questions that can be directed at Kirk, that good or bad, and it could be good. Have everything to do with you decided this why, not they decided this and it didn't work. Yep, yep. So man, there's just there's I mean, it's so really much, interesting whether Kirk's the quarterback or whether they go in a totally different direction. I just I, I I'm so hopeful that this offense is going to be much much more aggressive in certain areas. I mean. Just to, to back up to the beginning of this discussion, 
if I were to tell you, hey, Justin Jefferson's going to be healthy all year, he's going to go bonkers. Kirk's going to put up, you know, his typical Kirk numbers. Uh, Adam Thielen's going to get hurt, but he's still going to be out there playing at a high level. And Delvin Cook, and even like go back the last two years, Delvin Cook's going to put up some career numbers a couple years ago. Oh, and the Vikings offense is going to be outside the top 10 in points scored. And they're going to be 14th in, in points in 2021. I think people would have been wildly disappointed. Like the way people talk about these parts, especially the, the Cousins Crusaders out there who, you know, want to want to put him on this mantle because of his numbers. It's like, well, why? Okay. Why don't these numbers with Kirk and with some of the other players add up to more wins? Well, the defense. Okay. Then why don't they add up to a top 10 statistical team offense? And it's because it's not just about general numbers. It's about what are you doing on third down? What are you doing in the red zone? What are you doing in the second half, in the third quarter, once and your scripted plays are over, right? Yes, and you, three you and have, outs. And you have to have a quarterback who's not stupid. In fact, he's very smart, but he's willing to take some big risks. Like, that's the game. Yeah, calculated risks. I, I mean, Stafford threw some bad picks because he was told you need to take some risks here. Not yeah. stupid. But they are risks, and and this also goes down a very intriguing path as we talk through what the what the offense is going to look like and the possibility that they're going to go to a three four defense. Who does go? Like that's going to be interesting now because like the- Thielen, I think, gets restructured, but ideally he doesn't go. Like it's Thielen, it's Jefferson, right? Mm-hmm. Osborne. Uh, but but if Kirk stays and and is restructured, you're still going to have. There's going to be at least one, if not two, guys who go who's probably going to hurt. Like it's going to be like, oh man, that's too bad. But you have to go. Well, the Vikings have a defensive coordinator, even though they don't officially have a coach yet because they haven't announced it. But they now they're they're building their staff. Kevin O'Connell. Okay. Kevin is, O'Connell, uh, he's not focusing on this game at all on Sunday. I'm he's going to get upset. smoked by the Bengals. <laughs> he's just like, I don't care, Sean. Jeremy Fowler from ESPN reporting, Ed Donatell has emerged as the favorite for Vikings no! defensive coordinator. Easy, Ed. I covered him. Great he, guy. You covered him in, in Green Bay in the early 2000s. <laughs> right? 2000, 2003, he got uh, – so I covered the Packers in 03 and 04. He got blown out after 03, got fired by Mike Sherman. Uh, because th- they were upset that he he was he was given responsibility, fair or not, for the um for the f- was it fourth and twenty six? Oh yeah. Uh, oh, the Freddie Mitchell. Freddie Mitchell. To, Fre- to Freddie Mitchell. I'd like to uh, thank my Sharper hands. screwed up. Bowjutes screw- screwed up, and Ed Donatel was fired. Easy Ed man. He's a he's a nice cat, but. Uh, he Amazing. has been around the block. He went to the Falcons after that, and I think had some success. The, the Seahawks yeah, literally been... hired him five days ago. Like, they were as trying a, to hire a, him. As a position as coach. As a position coach, yeah. <laughs> he was going to be uh, just a defensive assistant, but the Vikings said, no, well, we want you to be a defensive coordinator. And so uh, Seattle is now bracing to lose him with new coach Kevin O'Connell getting plenty of experience in defense. He is 65 years old, so they definitely they, – he's never been a head coach. No. But they but they went with a, a guy who's been a coordinator in nine different seasons across, like Judd said, Green Bay, Atlanta, and Denver. Just a quick statistical profile on Ed Donatel. So his defenses have been pretty consistently average defenses, yes. with the exception of last year. Last year, and by the way, if you have a high-octane offense, an average defense that's good situationally on third downs and red zones is probably plenty. 
Um, but last year, with Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel scheming Denver's defense, they were third in points allowed, meaning third fewest, and they were eighth in yardage. It was his best defense that he's ever coordinated. Here are the rankings in terms of points allowed throughout his career. 14th, 5th, 12th, and uh, 11th with Green Bay. 14th, 18th, 15th, 10th, 25th, and 3rd with Denver. So a couple top fives in there pretty consistently. Top he's a, 15. He's more of a 4-3 guy, correct? He, he was with the Packers. So, yeah. The Packers, when I covered him for the year, ran a 4-3. They did not run a 3-4 at the time. So this would indicate that I think they're going to probably stick with a 4-3. Let's see here. Uh, defensive schemes. So I take back what I said about 3-4, folks. Well, they were they they were they were definitely sniffing around a bunch of three four guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also possible that they've looked at the like the Vikings have been running a four three for so long, and they're not just going to blow everything up. So maybe they said, eh, maybe it makes sense to stay with. Now's the time to blow it up, though, if you were going to. Let's see here, Denver. Yeah, Denver. Ah, I'm pretty sure they ran a four three under Fangio, but we can do some more digging on. Ed Donatel, Ed Don- the new Ed Donatel. Wow. Okay. How, you, you guys going to rekindle the, the relationship? Does he, he's does he he's very, no, but I'm sure he, he won't, but he's very nice. Yeah. He always was very, very generous with his time. He's a lifer, man. He, oh, yeah. Yeah. And he, he is, a, he is a, a position coach, coordinator, lifer. So I don't he, think he, I don't ever think he tried to become a, a head coach if I recall correctly. Yeah, his first stint was at Kent State as a grad assistant in 1979. And then uh, he came to the NFL as a defensive backs coach with the Jets in the early 1990s. And uh he's bounced I mean this is the life of a coach man you bounce around every two or three years and and now he winds up with the Vikings. So Ed Donatel we'll do more on this later oh. in the week but Ed Donatel the Broncos did run a 3-4 this there past year. I think Fangio, though, likes the 3-4. And, and so I don't know that Ed would continue to run a 3-4 when he was a 4-3 guy. Maybe they'll run uh, multiple God, fronts. That's some football right there. Football. There that's interesting. We go from a young hot shot with the Lions to easy Ed Donatel. Hey, real quick, uh, as, we, as we shout out Surly here. So my mistake yesterday on the show, I forgot to give the promo code. So here's what we're doing. We're going to go with, with 10 listeners, so five winners and plus ones. We're going to hang out on February 19th um, at Surly Brewing Company, and we're going to get a tour. We're going to drink some beer. We're going to eat some apps and hang out and talk some, some Vikings with you guys. So here, if you want to hang with, with us, Mackie Judd Dex, at the Surly Beer Hall on February 19th at 4 o'clock, you can, uh, you can enter through the Score North app, open the Score North app, and uh, you'll find in the listener reward section, you'll find the Surly uh, Brewing Company icon. And the code word is IPA. So IPA is the code word for you to enter. I didn't give out the code word yesterday. Yesterday it was Surly. And, and I and, think it still works. So Surly or IPA okay. will get you get you in. And I got a note from a, a person that you, I think he, he was in California and Wanted to try and register, but he couldn't. So it, it's a certain. I think it's a area. It's an upper Midwest correct? Minnesota okay. giveaway right now. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know that people were going to want to fly in from California. This guy said this, I but... I would come in with my boys for that, but I can't wow. register, okay. and I apologize to... for that because well, we appreciate everybody. And we we're, we're going to have another event planned with Surly. We we don't want to give away all the details because like, we're still figuring this out. But let's just say um, 
around a very prominent, fun day later this spring, perhaps. OTAs? We're going to have people out to, not OTAs, before OTAs, but after free agency, but before the schedule release. Pro days? After the pro days. After the combine. (laughs) But more details to come on that. So, uh, yeah, that's a wrap. Purple Daily, Mackie, Judd, Declan. See you guys tomorrow.